Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi and what's up and also welcome to Serious Issues, a witty comic book podcast brought to you by your good friends at King's Comics, also by your even better friends, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Back again for another incredible week of letting you know which comics we read last week that we enjoyed and the ones that we enjoyed slightly less. Yeah. Overall, I think pretty good week of comics this week. Yeah. You know what? When I looked at this pile, I was like, oh God, there's so many, but uh, there's actually some really good ones. There's some, there's some stinking good ones. There sure are. Um, Siobhan, this episode, I want, to tell, I want to tell everyone, begin this episode with two little things, two little tidbits. Lovely. First of all, uh, it's a lot out of our week to record this podcast every week. Sure is. <laughs> and um, we love doing it. And uh, we hope you love listening to it too. Um, I realize that we always mention our Patreon at the very end of each episode. Um, and, you know, we're a long podcast. Not everyone might, everyone might not hear that. Uh, so I'm just going to put it up. This is just this once, maybe once a month, I'll remind people at the start of the episode that uh, if you do want to support the show, um, all it takes is honestly a couple bucks. I listen to about 20 podcasts and I support as many of them as like, anyone that has a Patreon. Straight away, just give add to that $1, $2, sometimes $5 level. Just my show of appreciation of something that I get for free every single week. You don't have to do it. If money is tight, I'd get that a couple of bucks a month is a lot for a lot of people. Absolutely. But if you are in a position where you enjoy the show and you want to support us in even the smallest amount each month, it does go a long way. Um, I'm, I'm going to yeah. be fully, uh, fully honest with you. Um, all our Patreon money, I'm going to probably can speak to you one too. All my podcast money goes towards nappies yeah. or diapers yep. um, because it might, I, I linked my shopping account uh, for groceries to... Uh, to my PayPal account. Oh, that's good. And that's so a I, smart thing to do. Yeah, so that every time, every time my my daughter um, poops, poops, um, I think of my loving listeners. That's very kind. Giving it, kicking in a couple bucks every month to our Patreon. Mine goes straight to um, uh, NBA League Pass. Oh wow! That's how I watch the NBA. So thank you. The playoffs <laughs> have been great. <laughs> Um, but if you want to uh, keep keep my uh, daughter in in clean nappies and Siobhan watching premium NBA, <laughs> um, please head to patreon.com slash serious issues podcast. Um, there's some like weird tears there that we wrote over a year ago now that and look, I, com- I overcommitted oh, a lot of things I said we would do. It's like, you know, r- recording 
a two-hour-long podcast every week that relies us reading, you know, 30 to 50 comics yeah. is an enormous investment and it actually takes a lot more yeah. than uh, to, to do your little bonus things. We do honestly appreciate every single person that kicks in a couple bucks. And I really do. There is about, you know, 10 hours of bonus material on there. We will be recording another bonus episode very soon. Cool. Um, I think we're going to do another listener Q&A um, oh, fun. Really soon too. That was really uh, fun last time. That was super fun. So um, that's coming up very soon. Again, uh, if you go check out patreon.com slash series podcast, there's a $2 a month uh, tier that gets you access to all of the episodes that we've recorded so far. And uh, just, uh, you know, uh, we might even start mentioning all the people that have supported us yeah, that'd be in the cool. show. Um, of course, you can join our... Um, our, uh, our Facebook group too. Another great way to join our community, which is facebook.com slash groups slash series is podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I like, I like being in touch with the listeners and, and yeah. uh, it's a good vibe. You're much better at it than me. <laughs> um, also, I want to let you know, um, so I would say even more important is to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Planet Broadcasting, our, uh, our, our, our network that we belong to. Our um, podcast daddies. That's right, our podcast mummies and daddies. Uh, <laughs> it's brought to, uh, what, this episode brought to you by Planet Broadcasting's partnership with Care Australia and Everyday Hero, supporting women and girls living in extreme poverty around the world. Uh, to donate to the campaign, visit planetbroadcasting.com or click the link, which I'll put in the show notes um, later on in the episode. After we do th- go through all the number ones, I'll let you know, know, let you know more about this campaign and what Planet Broadcasting is doing. It's already raised a, a couple of thousand dollars. That's really cool. And uh, I thought maybe we'll ask you for more money uh, like 20 minutes after we did it just then. <laughs> nice. So, Siobhan, every time we record this episode, every uh, an, an, ep- an episode of yeah. Serious Issues, we talk about... Imagine if we'd record this episode many, many times. And, and it's like... um. Yeah, I've, I've forgotten which sci-fi movie. I've seen through the future, and we've thing. recorded this episode fourteen million times, <laughs> and only one of them was successful. No, <laughs> um, but every episode we begin by reviewing all of the new number ones that came out uh, in the last week, and uh, it was a pretty sizable uh, release yeah. window for number one world, um, especially from DC, Marvel, and Image, who all put out pretty big books. Mm-hmm. I imagine they're going to be all in like kind of like the top ten of this month, um, sales wise. Um, not that we ever pay attention to sales figures, but no. uh, <laughs> I'm always shocked. <laughs> what? Um, so we're going to kick things off with a review of um, No Justice. Yeah, cool. Which is a brand new weekly uh, Justice League miniseries. There are four issues. It's written by uh, Scott Snyder, Joshua Williamson, James Tinney, and the Fourth, with art by Francis Manipal. Good Lord, Francis Manipal. Yeah, first and foremost, that was uh, far and away my favorite thing about this issue. Also, the colors by Hi-Fi um, deserve yeah, a shout out too. I think he really makes uh, Manipal's art pop in a cosmic way that I've never seen his art look before. Absolutely. So this is a kind of like interim between uh, the end of Christopher Priest Justice League run and the um, what was the Dark Knight's Metal mm-hmm. um, event um, before Scott Snyder takes over the Justice League book. Uh, so in this, uh, Brainiac comes to Earth. Um, comes direct to Superman and warns him that they've opened up a dimension to you know this dark this dark universe after the Dark Knight's Metal thing, and uh, if they don't all team up, all these old celestial things. I'm getting it confused with yeah. the Last Avengers. <laughs> this is a very uh, similar one. vibe, though. It is four big cosmic dudes. Yeah, this is the they're ant- gonna fuck shit up. This is the ants to For Marvel's time, um, A Bug's Life. <laughs> Remember when they both came out like really <laughs> yeah. soon because of each other? But I think it's too far. Like it's too soon to say which is which. Sure. I mean, I like both Ants and Bugs Life. They both have many good things about them. Um, and we, maybe we'll do a, a bonus Patreon episode about comparing those two. That sounds fun. That sounds really fun. You what? know what I watched? Actually, I, <laughs> I wanted to tell you. I watched um, Spider-Man Homecoming. I really liked it's it. It's fucking great, it's right? so good. That might yeah. be my favorite superhero movie. It's my favorite Marvel movie, it's for sure. It's so fun. Yeah. So fun. I know you've all already seen it. 
I, I did, I did I tell you at the time. It. I think if you go back, yeah. and I was like, of all I'm the Marvel sure. movies, you'll love this one the most because it's pretty much just a John Hughes teen movie. Yeah. With superhero bullshit. Yes, please. I loved it. Anyway, um, continue. And the Vulture's great too. Yeah, the Vulture's so good. Put I would still, I would still do Michael Keaton. Oh, me too. Fuck. Who wouldn't? Um, with the Vulture suit on. Yes, please. In the air, <laughs> mid air, getting done by Michael Keaton. Aww. Getting done is getting awful. done. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Justice League, uh, no justice. Brainiac comes to Earth, warns Superman of some big cosmic event that um, he needs to team up with Brainiac on. And not only does it does it does it require the team up between Superman and Brainiac and the Justice League, but also the Teen Titans, the Titans, the Suicide Squad, and a bunch of uh, villains. Lobo, so, yeah. Lex Luthor, Sinestro, Etrigan, Mo- yeah, fucking Starro. Fucking Starro. That was fucking like Starro. so. This is like that classic thing where it's like, oh, all the villains have to team up with these heroes that they've tried to kill millions of times before. That's fine, I guess. And yeah. like for the most part, like I feel like both Marvel and DC do this, you know, every year. Yeah. You know, oh shit, you know, Magneto is on this team now. You guys and, have you know, to work together. And this kind of fucks up, you know, letting the bad guys just be bad guys. Because mm. um, now they're forever going to be remembered as like semi heroes because of this event, whatever. All of my like negative thoughts towards that is undone because of the involvement of Starro. Yeah, because so just fun. in the background of all of these, you know, all, all your superhero assembling kind of, you know, everyone striking poses photos, it's just this enormous <laughs> one eyed starfish cackling in the background. <laughs> Fuck, that's the best. It's so good. Like, these are some, this is a really fun fun book yeah. like a book where Brainiac comes to Earth and is like I have no time to talk to you I'm just gonna abduct you all and now we're gonna go do some shit for me and then my head's gonna explode my head's gonna and explode you're fucked now because of Amanda Waller who has brought all of the psychics in and trapped all of the psychics to get inside Brainiac's head I love this yeah um, so yeah it was, a, it was a very silly stupid even comic book event um, yep. featuring lots of characters that I don't read enough of mm-hmm. either because they're regular books didn't hold my interest for as long Looking as at that. Looking Titans. Uh, and all, all there just have been missing from DC books for a while. Starro, Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. So this is going to be the book that kind of, I think, I feel like he's going to become the hero of this series. Yeah, I hope so. This this book had moments where I genuinely was sort of gleefully laughing out loud and enjoying myself mm. because it was just such a fun celebration of the DCU and it's so gorgeous and I love Brainiac and I love Martian Manhunter and I love Amanda Waller. Like, this has... This is very, very much for me. So I would say that this is almost, uh, you know, these kind of like three of the of DC's kind of biggest writers right now, um, Snyder, Williamson, and Tinney and the Fourth, reading Tom Taylor's Injustice series <laughs> and going, this is really fun. How do we do a book like this in regular continuity? And this kind of feels similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, all, all, They're all in like different teams, which... Like just seems pointless, but whatever. I mean, it would be silly to have all all thirty of them on this on the page at, at each time. For sure. So it doesn't make sense to split them up in that way. But they all kind of represent different elements. Yeah, there's four different four different cosmic guys who have four different cosmic vibes, and so they need to be separated into four vibey teams. Yep. I don't care about the main story, but I do care about the interactions between all the characters. And, Absolutely. And that's why I read superhero comics. Yeah. I'll be honest. The main story does not matter, guys. No. There's four um, cosmic guys. They're gonna come fuck shit up. We yeah. Exactly. Um, it's it's all about how these heroes and villains work together, and you know there's a few too many quippies on here, but there's so and and actually the, the worst thing about this book is I don't know who wrote Damien's lines in this, but is just that classic case of everyone like taking Damien back three years to when he was you know like, yeah. I, I know he's a bit of a jerk that's in his character, but like they keep depending on the writer they make him too much of a jerk in this yeah one. yeah and, yeah uh, I almost ignoring all the growth that he's done in his books over the years. Yeah, but he's still a little jerk. Okay. I'm just Isn't he? Grow a little bit. No, no way. 
Um, but I'm on board for this series. This is Absolutely. like all the fun that was missing for me for Dark Knight's Metal can be found on these pages. 100%. And I think a lot of that has to do with how lovely and bright and gorgeous the art is. Yeah, Manipal doing great, great work here on this. I love some of the, the textures that he includes mm-hmm, on in some mm-hmm. of his work too. It's great. Does a great um, Beast Boy too. Yeah, I like the really Beast Boy. Such Beast a Boy. like kind of prominent character in this. In yeah, this absolutely. There really are some good. really funny moments with like Beast Boy and Harley. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Justice League, no justice. Uh, if you've been kind of you know uh, worrying about uh, so, wait, wait, is that a Jim Lee cover too? That's a great Jim Lee cover. If yeah, that's Jim Lee, is that his? That's his. No, uh, that's Francis Manipal, isn't it? Why does it? Look- oh yeah, it says. Wait, oh on. no, no! You know what? Francis Manipal's cu- um, yeah. signature looks like it says Jim, Jim, in big letters, and Manipal. Do they do it together? No, no the Jim? cover is Francis Manipal. That's just his. He just has a crazy. Someone explained Francis Manipal's signature to me. Maybe I can his, see the F, but I can see the M. Maybe his middle name is a J. Okay, FJM. Okay, that's right. kind of what it looks like. Right, but it also looks like it just says Jim. Let us know um, if what you think uh, Francis Manipal's middle name is. Don't look it up. Just uh, let us know. I um, think. It's Johnson. Johnson? Francis Johnson. I think it's Jack O'Lantern. Mm, good. Francis Jack O'Lantern Manipal. Um, or Francis Justice Manipal. Oh, that's good. I have a friend whose middle name is genuinely Justice. Yep. I knew a kid who's, who, who was named Justice too. Cool. Fun. Fun stuff. Um, so that is DC's big book for the week. Big number one. Um, I enjoyed it. And yep. now we move over to Marvel. We've got two number ones this week. The biggest uh, of which is the uh, newly taken over Venom series written by... Um, kind of, you know, recent big up-and-comer uh, Donny Cates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's done great runs over at Marvel recently on Thanos and Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. That we enjoyed quite a lot. Uh, this is him teaming up with one of our favorite um, superhero artists, Ryan Stegman, too, in which I th- what I think is one of the best uh, matched books for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. He's, uh, he's great at drawing kind of like the more kind of fun and grotesque side of, of Marvel monsters. Yeah. And, uh, no and one... he's also great at web slingers. That's very true. I you would very easily see him on a Todd, Spidey book. Todd McFarlane-esque webs are back in this Absolutely. book. Absolutely. Uh, you've got colors here by uh, J.P. Mayer. Is it colors? Or is it inks by J.P. Mayer? Because Frank Martin is a colorist, isn't he? I don't know. Uh, yeah, colors by Frank Martin, inks by J.P. Mayer. Clayton Clowles on letters. Um, this is a, a big four ninety nine um, number one, so a bunch of bonus uh, pages. And uh, kind of suggests that the symbiote that 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 makes Venom Venom because this is still the Eddie Brock iteration of Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the symbiote go, it's been used and and people it's been bonding with people throughout history for many many years. And this scene opens with Eddie Brock having a vision of it being bonded with an Asgardian. Mm. Oh or no, an ancient Norse. I guess is that an Asgardian or, think, or is it on I Earth? Think just, Who knows? Yeah, um, just Vikings. Just just regular old boring Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, who can't even live forever. Um, but then uh, he's uh, he's introduced to someone who was bonded with the symbiote um, as part of Project Rebirth, which is the same project that led to uh, Captain America getting his powers. Mm-hmm. So he was a military-esque Venom before um, Flash Thompson was in mm-hmm. the Remender run. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I like the idea of the symbiote being used throughout space because it is this cosmic thing that you know yeah. was, was brought into the into into onto Earth after the so the Beyonder brought it during Secret Wars or something like that in the eighties. Um, but I don't like the idea of it being around and used by military on yeah. Earth in the world in like World War One and Two. I guess they're kind of alluding to. Yeah, it's sort of like. The, th- the thing I really like about Donny Cates' other books is that he is really um, 
confident in what he's doing and he's very like just throwing so much at the wall seeing absolutely and see and he's happy to do big things with the books um that could be really you know fundamentally changing for the character and i think that was really great with thanos i don't know if this is a hundred percent perfect um <coughs> but i'm pretty i'm i enjoyed this first issue more than I've enjoyed a Venom comic since the Romander run. I yeah, think. in fact, for the, the, the character, the older character that tracks him down, actually thinks that it's Flash Thompson in the symbiote, and then is disappointed when it's Eddie Brock. I felt the same way, <laughs> new character, because I just think I I loved that iteration of Venom, and I don't think going back to Brock is compelling at all because you're still trying to make him a hero. Like, but I like I like the relationship between him and the sim symbiote. I think that's interesting, and I think the point that like the this old sort of army guy makes, which is like. He asks all these questions about the symbiote that Flash... I mean, Eddie has never even considered, like, how old is it? What's its name? Yeah, where does... You know, what's its favourite food? Do you age while you're wearing the symbiote? Stuff like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. I I guess I'm interested in finding out where the symbiote came from. Yeah. Um, But it reminds me too much of all that weird venomized stuff that um, Colin Bunn has been doing in those weird Venomverse events. Look. Um, He can't... Donny Cates can't pay for... The sins of... That's true. No one can. <laughs> There's too many of them. Um, but yeah, I, I, and also like the, you know, Venom being used throughout the World Wars reminds me a bit too much of Bloodshot. Mm. Um, Lemire's run on, on Bloodshot. Where you, you say that Bloodshot. like it's a bad thing. Sure, no, you're right. <laughs> but like, I'm just, I'm focusing on the negatives. This yeah. was an enjoyable read. Just um, not not the number one the marvel number one that gates no not the issue for marvel that gates has done that i enjoyed the most absolutely 100% agree i'm but sticking with it though read. his track record is very good for so. sure and this was reading. a long issue as well. It was a long I'm issue. I'm excited for it to be like a bit more. I like my long issues of venom drawn by Trad Moore. Thank yes, you very please. much. Yes, please. Just let him take the 3 years it'll take him to do it. <laughs> he just embarrasses everyone else with how good he is. I'm like a bit bummed that his next comic is written by Alice Cott. I know, but there's the potential for it to be amazing. I hope so. It looks incredible. Yeah. It really does. Tradmore's so good. Um, But enough about Tradmore. Let's talk about Tom Taylor again, because he wrote uh, the latest in the uh, Hunt for Wolverine series of miniseries. The Adamantium Agenda is the name of this one, um, and is uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by regular Tom Taylor collaborator R.V. Silva, with uh, inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, and um, colors by Jesus Ebertov. Um, And uh, this this is a thread that I was the least interested in, um, after the Hunt for Wolverine one-shot by Charles Soule, in which uh, Iron Man... Actually, you know, it was a toss-up between this and the Daredevil thing, where it was like, why are these non-mutant characters trying to find Wolverine? Mm. And immediately this issue reminds you of that Wolverine hasn't always just been a mutant. He's yeah. actually been an Avenger for like guys. almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, and this this team of, uh, of people looking for him in this miniseries are some of the core members of... Brian Bendis's New Avengers run, which was a series that I fucking loved, mm, which um, I've never read. Oh, really? It's so much fun. It's like yeah. that's like I think it's still Bendis doing like the most Bendisy BS ever. But it's when it was new and exciting. Yes, <coughs> and he had so many different characters to play with, and it he really grew Luke Cage and Jessica Jones together. So this is yeah, Iron Man, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, and Spider Man. Um, we have a flashback to when they were New Avengers, mm-hmm. um, and Wolverine essentially, you know giving up his his life because he has healing powers. Basically, like, you know, allowing a bomb to go off because someone has to pull the, you know, that classic kind of 
someone has to die in order for to, to, to pull the trigger on some mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. thing or else the city explodes or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they, they, they swear that they owe him. And so this is them returning the favor. Um, they, they get word that on the black market, there's an auction go- going on. Um, a classic Marvel trope of there mm-hmm. being like a an an auction in 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 like a international a orders yeah. on, a, on a boat um, run by an underground organization. They're auctioning off the uh, DNA code, the genetic code of of uh, a powerful you know mutant type. Yeah, and they all like no, this is this must be Wolverine because his body's disappeared. So, so they, it's got to be who it is. So they go undercover, um, and uh, the final page reveal is that it's not actually Wolverine's uh, code. It is Danielle Cage. Um, Luke and Jess's daughter. Her DNA code is being auctioned by a bunch of criminals in international waters. Good fun. So fun. I love that the rest of this is just going to have nothing to do with Wolverine. But yep. that's, that, this is a very, very fun idea for a series. Absolutely. And um, it's a, it, we haven't seen Luke and Jessica fight together. In a really in a, in a, like They kind of did in the Defenders ser- series that Bendis did like, the, earlier this year, but this feels like a, a, a really great book for them to be in. Tom Taylor writes a fucking great Jessica Jones. She really, he really does. You know, Tom... Is like we're on first name terms now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he never does anything that's like, whoa, that's so crazy. I never would have thought of that. But he he has some way of really understanding what we love about superhero comics and just writing the fuck out of a great team book. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, totally. He's just good at this. Good at this job. Yeah, like I know we're about to talk about a Brian K. Vaughan book, but as far as like uh, superhero number ones this week, I don't know. We're just going against really like Justice League and Venom. Like this was, even though it's you know just a mini series, this is this is totally what I want from Super a book fun. like this. And yeah, he nailed Absolutely. it. Absolutely, very Agreed. good. Um, so now we move over to Image. Um, we have a, the first and second issue that came out last week of um, Barrier. Now, there's a disclaimer, uh, a few disclaimers on this. Uh, first disclaimer is that the first issue was released as uh, Image's free comic book day issue. Mm-hmm. However, this is a much uh, better quality printing mm-hmm. version with a much thicker paper. Um, and this comic itself uh, started like two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, came out through um, Brian K. Vaughan and Marcos Martin's um, online... Panel uh, Syndicate? Pa- panel called? Syndicate. Yeah, which is also where they released that other book about... Private the- Eye. Private Eye. Which is... Excellent. Yes, very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, this is written by Brian K. Vaughan with art by Marcos Martin and uh, Munza Vincente. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's called Barrier. Um, and it is a, um, a science fiction book that's also about American immigration. Classic Brian K. Vaughan. Um, and uh, this... It's so beautiful. It's- Holy shit, Marcos Martin is just incredible. It's told in landscape format, so you hold the uh, book sideways, which was enough apparently for uh, King's Comics uh, employee. But for, who, but for who long? Let's, yeah. let's just put this out <laughs> for there. For who long? For how long? <laughs> for why long? For, uh, why, for why do we hire him? Um, yeah, Wayne he, was like, it makes me feel like I'm reading uh, a porno. And I was like, hey, what kind of bizarre 1970s style porn are you like watching? Just fucking download some like a grown up. <laughs> I don't know. How do people watch porn? Also, who reads a porno? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's such a bizarre criticism. I know. It was st- like, he's such a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone called someone called the store for other reasons. But while they were talking to Wayne, they were like, oh, by the way, I, um, I listen to the podcast and I always really like hearing you shout in the background. And I always agree with you. And I was like, literally no one agrees with Wayne. Wayne's an idiot. Anyway, Barry is great. <laughs> Barrier, uh, Brian K. Vaughan, Marcos Martin, doing what they do best. And that's yep. telling a really great story with a uh, high concept idea with a mm-hmm. grounded, uh, you know, kind of 
backstory. Incredible characters, like really grounded, great characters. Half of it's in Spanish, which I don't speak Spanish, um, but the, you can the, still understand what's going on. And because it's the language fun. of comic books allows you to kind of you know see these these panels that you you know with featuring word balloons filled with a language you know nothing about, or you know like. One in every words. ten words. Hola. Uh, See, si. um, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's enough going on in each panel that you you are aware of what's being trying to communicate. And the kind of ethos behind this book is that um, whether you are an English speaker, mm-hmm. a Spanish speaker, or someone who speaks neither of those languages, you can tell from the comic book language enough that you know what is being communicated throughout uh, the panels. It's some incredibly clear st- storytelling and some of like the craziest visuals and colors that i think i've ever seen marcus martin do yeah really great um so we have um uh what's her name like not daisy something like that libby libby um libby is the owner of a uh a a ranch in in texas Mm -hmm. uh, a farm farm space desert farm um one of those fancy desert farms and uh she finds some cactus a decapitated horse on her property Mm -hmm. um and they assume it to be uh uh, the work of a gang that uh, traffics uh, drugs from from the, the one of the across the Mexican border. Yep, that's right. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of kind of like you know a lot of tension about illegal immigrants um, that you know make their way across the border. Um, and then we also see one of those uh, illegal immigrants. I can't remember what his name is, but he's from <laughs> his name is Oscar from Honduras. Right. Um, and. Uh, uh, the, the two come into, in, into contact with each other at the end of the issue and immediately are unable to speak each other's language. So the situation gets quite hostile because Libby ain't taking none of this shit on her property. Absolutely. Um, and then the two at the end of the first issue are beamed into space onto an alien uh, ship. And then the second ship, see, second issue sees them together trying to work out what's happened while also not being able to speak each other's language and having great difficulty. Yeah. <coughs> the... Um, Perfect. It's a really, it's a really great comic, guys. Yeah. Everyone should buy it. Everyone and, should read it. Yeah, definitely. And the uh, like, the alien craft is unlike any alien craft you've really seen before. Absolutely. It's like quite like uh, gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like fleshy, weird. Yeah, shit. organic. Yep. Material, um, and there's not really an explanation of, as to why these two have been selected to be um, on this spacecraft, um, nor why Libby's clothes have been disintegrated mm-hmm. and his haven't. But uh, he like and just. I really appreciated what a normal human body she had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she just looks like a normal person. She's not, like, a super over-sexualized. Like, there's... Uh, anyway, I appreciated that a lot. Well, Marcus Martin's art is, is awesome. It's yeah. so great. Um, so, yeah, we get this great mix of, like, this very real kind of uh, human relationship between these uh, these two characters and then this, like, just hideous crazy-looking, and, like, the craziest-looking aliens, like, that look like sort of uh, rib cages with sort of fleshy tentacles all over them, and then they kind of talk in these speech bubbles that are just sort of fluoro colours, and it's amazing. Yeah. I think doing a much better job, and this is, like, a very small criticism of Paper Girls, but the the kind of alien tech in that, Mm. I'm often like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Whereas this says it was very, very clear communicating as, like, you know, even though you still don't know what the fuck they're doing, it kind of makes yeah. more sense in your head. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I would highly recommend Barrier to everybody who reads comics because this is uh, two of the best uh, comic yeah. makers doing something together. It's a new Brian K. Vaughan book. What are you doing? It's five issues long. I believe it's coming out one, one a week for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so jump on board this Barrier um, and we'll be reading it alongside you uh, for the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. What a delight. Real good. Um, so 
I did not read this next one that you've got from no, Image. I read the first couple of pages and then I went, oh, cool, I can't read this. I read the first page and was like, oh, boy. This is, we are talking about Medieval Spawn and Witchblade, written so, by Brian Hablin and Brian Holgan with art by Brian Hablin. So I was like, oh, cool, it's a Spawn book yeah. with Witchblade set in me- medieval times. But no, this is a character called Medieval Spawn. Oh, I didn't even get that far into it to understand Who is like a, a knight that's also Spawn? I don't know. Boo. Anyway, that sucked. <laughs> I'm sure if you are a big fan of, let's Maybe not. I was, was going to say Witchblade, but probably not. Probably just Spawn. Yeah, this would be enjoyable, but it wasn't for us. Yep, agreed. Um, I checked out um, a, uh, a collection that um, Titan put out oh, this, that's cool. this week, um, and uh, the Titan are the current publisher of the Tank Girl comics. Now, Tank Girl is a, a British creation uh, in the late '80s um, by. Um, Jamie Hewlett? Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin. Jamie Hewlett, um, of course, went on to become famous for creating The Gorillas mm-hmm. with Damon Albarn. He does the art, so mm-hmm. that very great kind of street art comic book style mm-hmm. um, with a high, high high focus on fashion. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fun. His artwork's really fun. Um, but I've never read these first comics. I think they've been newly colored by Tracy Bailey. Um, and uh, I did not know that their original series, one of the editors was Steve Dillon. Oh, cool. Um, and he actually has some pinups in this collection. Oh, amazing. Um, and uh, <clears throat> also another artist that shows up in this is Shaky Kane, who we've been enjoying the Ooh. art of on The Beef recently. Um, so yeah, um, Tank Girl, I guess is like, you know, it's funny reading this as an Australian because she is an Australian yeah. character who <laughs> drives a tank, wears a bikini and like... Fucks kangaroos. And also kills kangaroos. Yeah. she kind of It's like a very kind of, it's a punk rock comic but made by guys who aren't very punk. Yeah. Uh, it's like a d- definitely British. Like I definitely fall more on the, of the same era, like your Vertigo um, yeah, yeah, comics yeah. that were coming out at the same time. But this was, I, I, part, I've never really probably looked up into the history of it, but it always surprised me that this was a big, that this got as big as it did, big enough that Hollywood actually made a Tank Girl movie. Yeah. Which I once sat, sat through about half an hour of. Oh, I've and, watched that whole movie a couple of times. Really? It's a great yeah, I watched it at like a, a sleepover in high school and we were just like, it just felt weird watching it. A big group of dudes. I don't know. That is pretty it. weird. Yeah. Sounds like a weird vibe. <laughs> um, I haven't read Tank Girl since I was in high school. And at the time I was even like, this feels a little bit too teen for me. So, so I don't know how I, it's not. It's it's teen in like a, it's like bawdy whiz humor. Yeah. But with like a kind of punk rock wallpaper. Um, yeah. The main reason you would read this is because Jamie Hewlett's art is fucking incredible. And with the new colors by Tracy Bailey, like it just looks so good. It looks very like like, super vibrant. It it doesn't look like she's, I would, if you told me that these were the colors that existed in the eighties, I'd believe you. Like it doesn't look like a, a new colorist has come on and Mm. like drastically altered the, the vibe of this. No. From a writing perspective though, I get that it's a product of its time. I found it just impenetrable. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's very like the jokes didn't land. It's pretty, like like you let like, get away with a lot of things because it was made in the 80s but you could not say fucking two thirds of the things yeah, that yeah, these yeah. characters say uh, in, in a comic made these days and you know these these are characters that still have comics being made about them that kind of honour the ethos of these early issues but are nothing like it yeah it's it's funny that like working in a comic book store you sort of develop um, attitudes towards certain things just because you get to know the fan base of that quite well right so I think that a lot of Tank Girl fans put me off Tank Girl quite a lot right sure 
Um, yeah, I've, I've never met one, so yeah. I couldn't tell you. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed this as an artifact. Artifact. I really enjoyed the pinups and the kind of like fun because I, th- I think it used to appear in like almost like a punk rock zine. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. first, so there's a lot of back matter and, and stuff from those. Lots of photos of all the creators hanging out Cute. in the eighties, which is great. So I'll definitely. This is an ongoing thing they're going to be doing. I think quarterly, um, collecting all of these early strips, new new colored versions of them, and then um, with lots of fun historical matter from That's the time. Cool. So I'll be picking it up for that. Um, even Philip Bond shows up as, as an wow. artist on that. So it's 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 a pretty interesting thing of note if you are interested in, uh, you know, eighties British comics. Yeah, cool. That weren't being published by the big two because you know the, 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 this seemed to be, if you ignore like Steve Dillon's in, like uh, involvement, this mm-hmm. this almost exists outside of that British comics boom that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. DC especially took advantage of. You know, when you had. Your Alan Moores, your Grant Morrison's, your Warren Ellis's, your, mm-hmm. Gra- your Grant Ennis, Garth Ennis's, all working on their comics. Um, this kind of existed as like an outlier to that. Very, it's it's very British by way of them trying to make fun of Australia, or just kind of not really make fun of, just like create a story and character in a in a in a, in a country they're not really very familiar with. I sort of wish that someone, because like I think that the the look of Tank Girl is what really people love. Yeah. Like more than the stories. I don't think anyone would be like, oh, that amazing tanker arc where blah, blah, blah happened. Where she, yeah, like where she lost her top for a while and, yeah. then, and then hung out with like a really badly written <laughs> Aboriginal man. Oh, God. I would love it if someone came in and maybe did a new Tank Girl series, like someone who really understood the aesthetic and the fashion of it, but did something cool with it. Maybe even an Australian. Maybe, maybe. even a fucking woman. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a female Australian. Dudes. Maybe even an Indigenous woman female Australian. That would probably be the only time in which I would be like, cool, I'm going to read Tank Girl again. Tick all those boxes. And, and, and then get, and back, get back to me. me. Yeah. But I'm going to continue uh, just taking a look-see in uh, these little collections. They're called Tank Girl 30th Anniversary. Um, wow. Now in full colour. 30 years. <clears throat> yeah. So check that out if, you are, if, you, if, you're, if you're interested in, in this as a historical artifact. I'd recommend it. Nice. See some good art at the very least. Um, so, Siobhan, that is it for First Things First this week, all the number ones that came out last week. Before we roll the dice, I just want to let you know about a little charity that Planet Broadcasting and all of its shows, including Serious Issues, are supporting over the next month. Um, Claire Tonti from Planet Broadcasting and her podcast, Just Make the Thing, wrote me some lovely notes about this important cause that they're supporting. So, uh, um, don't credit all this incredible writing to me. Uh, so... Planet Broadcasting and Care Australia. Last year, with the help of our awesome Planet Broadcasting mates, uh, Planet Broadcasting raised over $40,000 for men's mental health for Movember, even though it was March. Um, so I, I get, it's like they raised money for November something, right. but it was March. Wow. They didn't even try and like call it like... March like Bamba. Must, must March, like work uh, must, mustache and March. Anyway, I would have done that. That's why we, you probably would have only made 30000 if I was in charge. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't have worked, but it did. In fact, it went so well. This year, Planet Broadcasting is partnering with Care Australia to support women and girls living in extreme poverty across the globe. Care Australia is a leading international aid organization that works around the globe to save lives and defeat poverty through their five pillars. We have gender equality, empowering women and girls, education, caring for a lifetime of learning, health, water and sanitation, supporting healthy lives, food security, aiming to end hunger and emergency aid, caring for families in crisis, particularly for Syrian refugees. You can ask a question on the forum to any of our podcasters when you donate 
And this year, we'll aim to answer as many of them as we can by sending you some bonus content direct from your inbox from some of your favorite Planet Broadcasting podcasters, podcasters, including previous guests of Serious Issues and hosts of the Weekly Planet, James, Mr. Sunday, and Nick Mason. Uh, The bonus content will be available at the end of the campaign. To support Care Australia's life-changing work, visit planetbroadcasting.com or click the link in the show notes below. Um, So, yeah, if you are able to give a little bit of money to Plant Broadcasting's big uh, charity campaign, uh, Care Australia do incredible work. And, you know, we were talking about gender equality. Mm. Maybe they will fund the Tank Girl written by an Indigenous Australian woman. Yes, please. Um, So, I don't know, maybe maybe make that as a a little note when you donate. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Just say, give this money where you see fit, please, Care Australia. Um, Again, it's (laughs) planetbroadcasting.com. That would be the worst charity ever. (laughs) <laughs> trying to fund this really specific version of Tank Girl. I'm all for that. I'll one. give money to that. It sounds fun. I'm yeah. actually like <laughs> cycling in my head through various artists, so I think we do a good job of it while you talk. Um, I think we, co-host. Siobhan and I might do some bonus stuff for the for the charity too. Yeah, cool. Um, we're just going to work out what that is. Yeah. But it'd be good, I bet. I, I imagine. I'm probably the best out probably of all the of them. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so now we play a game called Roll the Dice for Marvel Image or DC, in which I roll a dice that was given to us by listener Brad Love that only has three sides, ladies and gentlemen. It's fucking crazy. Um, and, I didn't know uh, such a dice could exist. If we roll a one, it's Image. We roll a two, it's DC. We roll a three, it's Marvel. So uh, three is Marvel, so Marvel first. And then it's a one, so Marvel, then Image, then DC this week. Let's kick things off with a review of issue 300 of Deadpool, which is currently known as the Despicable Deadpool. This is the final issue for a long-time Deadpool writer. In fact, he's written the most issues of Deadpool mm-hmm. in history. Jerry Duggan. Uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, alongside an all-star lineup of uh, recent contributors uh, art-wise to Deadpool. Um, I'm just going to try and find the full lineup of artists somewhere in this issue, which doop, I'm doop, doop. slowly... This is me helping while you find the page. Doing a cool turn-the-page noise. doop 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 this was great, though. This oh, was geez. a good issue. This is fun flipping through here and remembering how fucking great this issue was. Yeah, this is definitely the pukiest issue I've read in a long time. I, what I loved about it is that it balanced the stupidity, the stupidity, the gross-out stuff that you would expect from a Deadpool book, mm-hmm. um, but also having the crippling sadness that uh, Jerry Duggan <laughs> has endowed upon this series over the yeah. last few years. And doing a very like good job of sort of embracing that, celebrating all the stuff that's happened in this run, and then just like in a classically Deadpool way, super meta, just wiping wiping the slate clean and leaving it nice and fresh and new for a new artist, new creative team to come on in and do their own thing with. And he even manages to have his own little Grant Morrison at the end of Animal Man moment. Which he references. Yeah, so Jerry but, Duggan shows up in this issue. But it was like, which is hard to do anymore because yeah. it's been done so many times. But I think he did a really great job with it, made it funny. It wasn't embarrassing. You know, I, th- I think he nailed it. I think he nailed the final issue. So I finally found the uh, the credits oh, of this issue, job. which is uh, hidden. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, uh, Jerry Duggan wrote it. And, and then apparently Wade Wilson... So Jerry Duggan wrote the first half and then after Jerry Duggan uh, encounters Deadpool in this in this <laughs> issue, Wade Wilson writes the rest of it. That's pretty cute. Uh, art on this is by Scott Coblish, Matteo Lolly, and Mike Hawthorne. Um, and then uh, extra inks by Terry Pello and Craig Young with colours by Nick Filardi, Ruth Redman, Jordi Belair and uh, letters, letters by Joe Sabino. Um, I just think this is like, you know, we can't really talk about this 
without, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't read it, because um, we encourage people to pick this up every time we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Neither of us have actually read the full run of Duggan. Um, I actually, ta- I, I bought like the first eight issues and then tapped out because it got a bit too silly and what I expected of Deadpool. Oh, right. <coughs> it was like, you know, bawdy satire right, kind of vibe. Right, right. Like all these like dead presidents. Okay. Like just like, it was like fun, I but I, I didn't need to spend you know, six bucks on an issue every time it came out. Um, but just kept hearing about how much better the series got once uh, Duggan kind of really tapped into the sadness that's yeah. within Wade Wilson's head. Um, and so, yeah, we, we jumped on board, I don't know, 30 issues ago, something like that. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed this immensely since picking it up. And this was a, a great farewell. Uh, having your cake and eating it too, like you're wiping the slate yeah. clean, clean in a way that I don't think we've seen before. No. Um, and it's still sad without being like about death. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he just did a really beautiful job of having like almost like his own run, like his own version of the character that then dies and is renewed. And that happens all the time, but he did it in like a very, like it was definite. Um, yeah. He was explicit in the sense <laughs> yeah, absolutely. of like, it literally happens that the slate is wiped clean and we didn't yeah. have to, you don't have to be like, no, oh, but what happened to all this stuff? Well, yeah. But my favorite example of like, someone like creators just being like nope no one else can do anything with these characters is that mm. at the end of his hellblazer run garth ennis killed everyone except constantine <laughs> and so no one could use any of his characters again um which is you know one way to do it yeah but i think i think uh what duggan did here is is a uh, a really really clever yeah way of saying goodbye even though it is quite sad and and like a bummer to see wade doing what he does um but yeah, this is a, this is an awesome issue. Great art. Uh, again, it has all the stupid, gross potty humor yep. that you would expect from Deadpool in the first third, in which uh, he has like a a smell a superpower emitting from him that just makes everyone that comes in contact with him like throw their guts up. Yeah, and there's some great gags like Ms. Marvel comes to, and and she has all stretchy. Her mouth goes all stretchy with puke. Yeah, real funny. And then he's like, oh, finally, the Vision, the only one who won't be affected by my new puking powers. And then the Vision is like drowned in puke. <laughs> That's good. Very great. Stuff. Good fun. I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, um, goodbye to a great run of Deadpool. Well done, Jerry Duggan and everyone else involved. And um, uh, Scott, uh, yeah, Scott, is it Scotty, Scotty Collins is taking over? Not Scotty Collins. Scotty. Uh, Scotty Young? Scotty Young. Is, Scotty Young, over. is Scotty Young taking over on writing or art? Duties? Writing. Hmm. Because, I mean, he does that I Hate Fairyland, yeah. which I've not read any of. But people like that. Yeah. But that's also him on art. Right. I think that's kind of the... The, the charm. Yeah. But... He's, ra- he's written something that I enjoyed in the past, but I can't remember what I've it was. i never enjoyed any of his written Oh, no. But he's like a great artist. I'm sorry, Scotty. Javon, sometimes when a creator leaves a book and we yeah. get someone else in their place, it can be awkward. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes it's a perfect fit. And this week we had a new artist on The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, issue number 32. We still have the same writer, Ryan North. And while her art is featured on the cover, Erica Henderson did not do the interiors. Although although we did uh, maintain the colorist of Rico Renzi. We have a new artist joining the team uh, in... uh, We once saw him collaborate with with Ryan North on Jughead. Mm -hmm. Um, We see uh, Derek Charm as the new artist on Squirrel Girl. What did you think? (sighs) Look, I still enjoyed the issue. There's a lot to like still yes, about this book. Of course. But there is, to me, something slightly missing. And that especially came across to me in the first sequence where we have um, Squirrel Girl teaching a computer science class. And it's still fun. It's still good. But there's something about Erica Henderson's art where she would have found like a more 
expressive way to get the information across mm. or something. And I feel like we're missing background gags and all the little details that Erica spends so much time on. Um, I, I find Erica Henderson's artwork simple but intricate. Absolutely. Whereas Ryan, uh, Derek Charm's art is like simple, simple and artistic. Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's the, yeah. It's very pop arty in a way that Mike Allred's art often is. Absolutely. Especially with Rico Renzi's colours on this. And I think probably Eric Henderson put a little bit more time into like thinking about people's outfits and things like that. Um, but we get some great Craven the Hunter moments in this mm-hmm. and good Howard the Duck moments. And I will say one thing. I, I like I like Derek Charm's Howard the Duck more than I liked Erica Henderson's Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never drew his beak right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like my only criticism of her artwork in the entire time we've, we've started the podcast. Totally. I love um, the <coughs> van that Craven the Hunter drives. Oh, it's brilliant! <laughs> that I love is, it. That's like one of that's my the favorite. Van that I want favorite favorite returning gags of this uh, of this book. But yeah, in, in this, um, basically, uh, Squirrel Girl and her housemate Nancy um, decide to uh, check up on their old friend Craven the Hunter to make sure he's staying out of trouble. And they decide to do this by uh, revealing Squirrel Girl's identity to him and just saying, you know, do you want to hang out? And so they choose to go to an escape room. Yep. Um, and then it actually turns out to be run by actual superheroes, uh, actual supervillains. And so now they are in an actual death trap. Good it's fun. fun. Lots of gags. Great brain drain moments. Great brain drain Frequently moments. the best character. And look, I don't think the artwork is bad. It was just... No. It's it going to take me a minute to get used to it. Especially with Squirrel Girl's facial... She looks very now. different. She, it's everyone, everything else I'm almost completely okay with. Um, yeah. It's just Squirrel Girl looks too different for me to be like, all right. Yeah. Give me those buck teeth, please. Yeah. Where's the buck teeth going? Um, it look, she it still looks great. It's just Absolutely. not. Hashtag not my Squirrel Girl. <laughs> it's just different. But without being. I'm not good at change. It's not. Without, I want to be. I'm I wanna, not good at change. I want to be a bit more polite. Hashtag not my Squirrel Girl, please. Nice. Yeah, good. <laughs> Hashtag not my squirrel girl, but this one's still really good. We still like you, Derek Charm. You're still really great. Please. Please. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still going to stick with this series. Yeah, but for it's sure. Just a li- it's a little bit not as much as what I used to love. Yeah, I'll just be crying the whole time I read it. Great. <laughs> um, we got the second issue of Gail Simone's Domino run this week um, with art by David Baldion and Jesus Abertov. I love how much Gail Simone loves friendship. <laughs> she loves female friendship. More than anything else, it's very nice. Um, so this, the, the end of the first issue saw Domino on her birthday being thrown out of a window mm-hmm. um, and plummeting someone, to her death. And someone took away her luck powers. But, oh no! But she gets given them back uh, later in this issue and saved by Spider Man. Um, she has a great interaction with Spider Man. Yeah. In which she says, "You're a decent guy, Spider Man. That might be a, might be your best thing, your greatest power, but you can't fix this by being a good guy, Spidey." But also, could. like, how perceptive of Gail Simone. That is Spider-Man's best power, that he's just a good guy. Yeah. Just a good guy. I really liked that. That yeah. was my favorite moment of this issue. But uh, this issue, on a whole, I wasn't so sure about the first issue, but I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, this is a good... It's fun. If you like Gail Simone, if you like... Um, if you liked Gail Simone's Birds of Prey, pick mm. this up. You'll probably like it. So, uh, Domino has good luck powers, and we meet someone who, in this world, um, whenever she has good luck, he gets bad luck. He's like the horrible picture in the... Like Dorian Gray. Right. And so he's worked out that if he inflicts bad luck on Domino, he'll get good luck in return. So that is what this is what this arc's gonna be about. Um he she has uh um two uh two two female teammates, Outlaw and um Diamondback, two characters that I'm not not familiar with at all, but they're pretty amusing. And also we see a team up in this one with um uh uh what's his name? Uh 
totally awesome Hulk. Amadeus Cho. Amadeus Cho, actually, and I loved him in this. Yeah, he's good fun. I have, I haven't enjoyed him ever. No, but he was totally funny awesome in this. Hulk. Yeah, so I, I, I really enjoyed this issue. I think um, uh, David Baldion's art is is great. The great, great mix of sexy without being like too over the top. Yeah. And when it, when it is, it's pretty aware of it, I guess. Like her yeah, plummeting totally. to her death in her underpants. But she's wearing nice undies. Yeah, very good. For undies. once, for once, like they bother to put her in nice undies. Um, I think that there's a, <laughs> I get the weird sense that this book could almost be tanked by the fact that I don't know I don't know who at Marvel was like yeah let's get Greg Land to do the covers because for me I would be totally put off yeah it's a gross front cover and then the cover of the next issue I would not be into that either I would assume as a female comic book reader ah cool this is not for me yeah they're no good so I, I sort of hope that there are enough people out there who are willing to look past this really genuinely terrible cover artist choice and give this book a go because I think you'll get a lot out of it. Hashtag look past the land. <laughs> that was good. I like yeah. it. Thank you so much. Um, so that is Domino, issue number two. And now we move from two to three. We've got Exiles number three by um, Saladin Ahmed on writing. Uh, pencils by Javier Rodriguez doing a fucking incredible work. Uh, inks by Alvaro Lopez and colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, a, nice, a nice mix of cultures coming together for sure. this book about uh, interdimensional time hoppers uh, led by Blink. Um, and we have uh, a cartoonish little baby Wolverine, mm-hmm. um, a, uh, a, a dark timeline Ms. Marvel in which she was... Was she, was she the president? No. No, no, no. That's a different alternate timeline. Right, that's an old woman, Wolverine. Laura. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is like... a post-apocalyptic future Miss Marvel who just goes by Khan because since her husband and her child were killed, she's very serious and carries guns all the time. Yep. Um, we also have uh, the young version of Kang. Um, Iron Lad. Iron Lad. And then also a Valkyrie who looks like Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok. But acts like Hercules. Yeah. Um, and she's far and away my favorite character in this. So fun. So this uh, comic looks incredible and has lots of great moments, but... Every four pages, our team just flashes away to a different dimension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't really know what the story is. It's so good, though. It's so I, I, I think I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just, it, it is just, okay. it's so different to uh, Salad and Ahmed's very, very character driven Black yes, Bolt run. For sure. And not what I was expecting from this at all. It is what I expect from a Javier Rodriguez comic, though. So Absolutely. On that, in that regard, they've nailed it. Okay, um, the bit where we where they um, go to <laughs> the age of Aquarius, where it's like a sixties hippie Namor. Yeah, that was brilliant. So good. And then they go to World War Two, gender swapped Cap and Bucky, and then Valkyrie and Bucky get it on. It's the best. <laughs> um, and yeah, lots of we we end with a big explosion and like. Guess we. I guess someone died. I don't know. Maybe. Who cares? I love this. Yeah, it's really, really weird and fun. I could just look at um, Javier Rodriguez's art forever. Yeah, and it's a brilliant panel layouts as well. Um, it looks like the next issue features uh, the Ben Grimm pirate version that we've seen. God, I love how and much that comes up. All I know. The time. It's everyone's favorite weird alternate yeah. Marvel universe that we've seen very little of in the <laughs> comics. Um, so we're going to get lots of him soon. Love That's it. fun. That's real fun. Yeah, it's 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 good. I just I don't know what it what the point of this book is, but it's fun. Absolutely. Maybe that's all, that's the point. That's all the point. Yes. Yeah, cool. You got massive, like, talking dinosaurs with guns and pants. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This issue. I love it. Um, so let's keep it in issue threes at the moment. You're at issue three of uh, the, the New Mutants Dead Souls. By Matt by Rosenberg. I it's Matt Rosenberg with who? Adam Gorham and um, art and colours by Michael Garland. So I don't think the colours are very good. I wasn't nonsense. super on board with the first issue, neither were you. I forgot to read the second one. You did. You're still reading it. I've been hearing really good things about this online. This issue in particular. Yeah, this issue was really okay, good. You should, you should I'll, I'll catch up. Catch up. Because um, it's really good. He's the the his version of Boom Boom is phenomenal. She's really funny. She's really like that sassy. That sounds like you were describing a, a cooking dish. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try his Boom Boom. It's phenomenal. Um <laughs> And the sort of uh, stuff that he's doing with magic and the sort of combative relationship between this whole team and they all sort of hate each other in a way. And there's lots of fights and magic's powers are going crazy and it's it's really good fun. Okay, great. Because this is, this is on, on paper, I guess, the, the kind of book, you know, this like odds and ends kind of team, this motley crew of mutants. It actually screams out Matt Rosenberg and yeah. it's a shame that we weren't connecting with it, but I'm glad we are now. Yeah, absolutely. You should, you would definitely like it okay, and there's cool. some great like physical comedy moments there's a bit where magic sort of um zaps everyone away and is the only person left on a plane that's going down and there's just a moment where boom boom is like cursing the heavens it's like <laughs> she's so annoying and it's just like a great little moment of physical comedy that great. i really appreciate Go those on. are the best absolutely um, so, um, tell me about Darth Vader. No, oh, no, I'll tell you. Do you runaways we'll, do, we'll do Runaways first. Runaways uh, is the best. Runaways the issue nine. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's a great book, and you should all be reading it because fucking every reason that I could possibly give you, but I, I won't don't give know you why instead. you're not, guys. It's just it is. It's far and away my favorite Marvel book at the moment. It's really gorgeous and really fun. <clears throat> Chris Anker is the fucking man. Yep. This Written has got by, a funny Doombot in it. Sorry. Yeah, written by Rambo Rao with pencils by Chris Anker, um, inks by Chris, Chris, Craig Young with Chris Anker, and uh, colors by Treona Farrell. Brilliant team. Um, even though this is a, the different, you know, this, this adds Craig Young and Treona Farrell. Um, usually we get colors by Matt Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Treona Farrell does a great job uh, coloring in the same way. Um, 
it's it's you know the the, the runaways team from Brian K. Vaughan's rung, except that they're a little bit older. And uh, they're still a fucking mess. Yeah. And uh, they're not a superhero team, guys. They occasionally get in fights, but they are not a team by any means. And the last issue seemed to suggest that they were about to have a big fight with Doctor Doom, but it reveals himself to be a Doom bot who actually teamed up with um, uh, what's his name? Victor. Victor. Um, in that Avengers AI series uh-huh. that Mark Wade wrote, I think. I read like maybe it was Al Ewing. Oh, actually, it made me go like, I want to read that. Yeah. So well done to Runaways for making me want to read more Marvel books. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I, the, the best thing about this is that it kind of creates these problems for our characters that you would only see in a book like this. Absolutely. Um, like, uh, for instance, the youngest uh, character of the run- Runaways, Molly, is given a cupcake from one of her classmates that will keep her young forever. Yeah. And there are all these signs pointing to like her that... Because no one, no one that she's asking for advice knows that she's been given this thing, so... You know, they're all she, like, yeah, stay a kid forever. Stay, exactly. And, <laughs> Being and like, an adult sucks. And you know that they're going to come to regret that advice, but then someone eats a cupcake and it ain't Molly. And uh, it is like, just in terms of story, you cannot pick a better character to have this happen to. Absolutely. And uh, I just, you know, even though it's like, oh no, you're cheering because it's just gonna, it's going to lead to such great conversations and uh, interactions in, in future issues. Rainbow Rowell has such a good understanding of these characters. And she's so good. I think obviously it comes from like the YA background is she's really great at selecting kind of issues and themes and then exploring them through this team. And I think it's really clever the way that she's doing it and it's really good fun. And she has lots of really funny moments. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's pretty, it's almost always my favorite comic that I read each time it comes out. But, um, I saved it for last. That's how much I liked it. I actually burnt through all my comics, uh, like really early. I was finished them by oh, Saturday this week. Wow. I was reading up until the moment that you got here. I was very, very well behaved and I didn't play video games on Thursday or Friday. That's the key. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, so last Marvel book I'm going to talk about is uh, Charles Soule's Darth Vader run. Charles Soule and Giuseppe Camincoli, that is. Um, of course, with inks by Danielle Orlandini. Colors by Java Tartaglia, Tartaglia and Guru FX. Um, this is uh, set before episode... Um, and we see basically Darth Vader become the Vader that we know and love to hate. Um, but I, I've heard it described as like, you know, Darth Vader as the Punisher making his way through the Empire and taking out Jedi. Um, this one sees this, this whole arc has been him taking out, you know, one of the last Jedi. Um, and uh, he's like this like cool kind of red skinned dude that has like two horns protruding from his head, but one of them is all busted. Oh, yeah. <coughs> he has his crew of followers. And in this issue, you see each of these followers taken out by, like, the Empire. And as they die, the next page is how they were rec- recruited and the life that they were promised by this Jedi, uh, which is really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but... Good fun. This book is so, so great. And I actually reckon like required reading if you are someone that loves the movies and loves to, you know, dip your toe in and out of the comics and books. Something happens in this issue that ref- um, that uh, directly references the prequels, but like the best part of the prequels. Jar Binks. That's right. He's here. He's back, baby. He's a Jedi. Uh, He's a Jedi. I'm not going to do that. There's a brilliant moment where um, all of these ex-Jedi um, are... Like you know, under the command of, of Darth Vader, have have tracked down this this final Jedi. Um, they're about to kill him, and then he realizes that they're all ex Jedi, um, uh-huh. and that their stormtroopers that they're, that they're with, or they're, sorry, their clone troopers, were all made during the same era as the prequels. Okay. And so the last thing he says 
in this panel is him saying execute order 66 which was the command given to the cl- troop the clone troopers um which resulted in them killing all the jedi oh. so he's doomed himself but he's also killed all his would-be attackers um. and that's a, it's a brilliant cliffhanger i'm sorry i spoiled it no hey but i, I assume everyone like that cares is already reading this read this, this it's really really clever and i was like holy shit like i haven't felt this way about a star wars comic in a while and uh, this was really really great yeah cool star wars Darth Vader, number 16 um, this has been a great run. Probably my favorite Charles Soule book at the moment. Nice. Yeah. He is writing a lot of them. He writes so those, a lot of books. Those are our Marvel books. Now we have a whole big old stack of Image Comics to get through. Cool. As Wayne tapes in my ear behind me. This is like this was one of those weeks where I was like, fuck, it's a good Image Week. I'm an excited to read image all week. of these comics. And this includes like, you know, the latest like latest issue of, a, a, you know, the book that we loved, we haven't seen in a while, Maestros. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a huge climactic issue of Southern Bastards mm-hmm. um, and uh, another great second issue of both Isola and, um, and Analog that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But for me, the best book in my stack this week was a book that we've loved, but this in particular just had everything going for it, was issue six of Sleepless. Man. Written by Sarah Vaughan with art by Leila Del Luca, um, Elisa Sala, um, letters by Darren Bennett. Um, this is the book um, kind of like, you know, medieval kings and queens, royal family kind of stuff between um, between lands, mm-hmm. uh, betrayal, all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it's about... Romance. It's about a princess and her um, her knight that's been assigned to protect assigned to protect her who has taken a vow of no sleep and so that it, he is the sleepless, and um, this is a vow that lots of knights take to uh, protect their mm-hmm. the royalty in the in the world and um, a lot of these sleepless knights eventually get taken in by the, the madness of not sleeping and start to see visions of things that that are uh, you know that, that aren't there. <laughs> called drifting drifting and they, they also have formed a relationship you know a will they won't they kind of relationship mm-hmm. they're obviously in love with each obviously. other do it already and God. this everything came to a head in this issue you know in a way that like this is the end of i guess the, of the first arc the, mm-hmm. the first trade the first six issues have come out now um and it ends in just such an exciting and just really satisfying way absolutely that, yeah and then we don't get another issue until september <gasps> which means lots of weeks for us just to tell you that this is the image series that you should absolutely pick up the first trade of it'll only be yeah. like 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever when it comes out yeah this is a brilliant series oh the second this trade comes out it is queens of kings book of the month like yeah, i right. tell everyone that they should be reading this i think it's like so great yeah and this just this issue was just like all of those pieces that they've that they've set up from the start. Yeah. You and and I have no fucking idea where they're going to go from this moment at the end too. There are so yeah. many things that, I, that I'm excited about. Like, oh, what does this mean for the future of this book? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Like brilliant romantic parts, but also just like straight up ca- drama. Yeah. Fuck, so good. So sleepless, my favorite and issue of magic. the week this week. Yeah. Yep. Perfect, perfect comic. Um, really, really great comic. Um, but um, we had lots of other excellent comics that came out through Image this week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. including The Return of Maestros, which is the book written and drawn by Steve Gross. You colors. can see why it took a little while to come out. Because it's just so intricate Massively and detailed. enormously epic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Holy shit, who did that cover? I think that's... Is that also Steve Gross? No, this is the Steve Gross cover. Right. Looks oh, like a David Rubin Jean or something. Jean-Francois Boulou. Oh, Jean-Francois Boulou. We know him from something. I wonder what that is. Uh, so, Maestros is a comic uh, about uh, uh, an ordinary Earthman who's... Um, the son of the king of the magical realm that we don't know about called the Maestro. And when the Maestro and all of his family are killed by bad guys, 
um, the sort of half-human son is brought back to the maestro universe to be the king, and he continuously fucks up. Yeah. And seems like he's doing great. Seems like he's super smart. Seems like he's got everything covered. Seems like he's on top of everything. He's going to make it the best, most utopic society ever. And then he just fucks up consistently. And this is like, it is funny. It is dramatic. It is gorgeous. It is so beautifully illustrated. The covers, the, the colors by Dave Stewart of like amazing. Um, and I just, I love this book so much. Blue did a lot of the covers for Avengers Arena. Oh, okay. I'm trying to find what interiors he did, but he's good, he's a good artist, that's for sure. <coughs> Mostly covers. Um, yeah, this uh, <laughs> this issue was uh, hilarious and gruesome and and epic. I think it's the second last issue as well. Yeah, it seems like it's coming to an end, um, and I feel like this is something that Steve Scrooge could just con- like return to consistently forever. Well, and I mean, be so fun. In I mean, theory, unless what actually happens at the end of this issue is permanent. Yeah, which seems unlikely. Yeah, but if you thought the um, if you thought the finale of uh, Avengers: Infinity War was grim, yeah, wait till you see what happens at the end of this issue. Uh, it was great. This is another one of uh, Image's best recent series, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is like really gone under the radar. An interesting thing about this is that um, I saw that we didn't have that many copies on the shelf at King's and I was like, oh, did we have to reduce our orders of Maestro's? That sucks because it's so good. And it turns out that actually just the number of standing orders that we've had for it has massively increased. So there's just less shelf copies, oh, which great. is really cool. More people are pre-ordering it. Everyone should be reading this. Awesome. There's one more one more issue left that we'll let you know when the trade comes out too, but uh, this has been a great series so far. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll stick to the landing too. He's such a good cartoonist. Good oh, seriously. Lord. Like, he's so good at doing grotesque stuff that doesn't feel, like, gross. Well, it's still gro- it's it is so gross. gross. It's so gross. It doesn't feel like, in the same way, like, if you read, like, Crossed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. like people aren't getting raped in their eye sockets or anything oh, like it's that. It's not far from that, though. It's not far from that, though. <laughs> I love the, like, I can't remember his name now, but the sort of zombie guy who fucks shit up in the end and how he's just got a loincloth made of... Dis- dismembered heads. Oh, no, just the skin of dismembered heads. Just the skin. Heads. Yeah. Real cool. gross. Real good. I love it. Southern Bastards was the big image uh, released this week. Issue number 20, written by Jason Aaron with art by Jason Latour. Um, everything came to a head um, yeah. at the end of the last issue and left on a very crazy cliffhanger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we thought the character was finally going to meet his end, mm-hmm. but then another character uh, almost out of nowhere stepped in and mm-hmm. uh, we don't, weren't sure of what the fuck was going to happen? And mm-hmm. so we hear, see happen in this, um, uh, just huge. Like the, the first twenty pages of this issue were just so captivating and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. thrilling in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced in a, in a, in a like from an action point of view. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a proper thriller, absolutely. Um, where you have these basically these three characters fighting, trying to escape from each other, while talking to each other. And you learn so much closer as these two people work out. Well, one, this one person works out who his would-be attacker is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I think the finale of this wasn't as satisfying as what I just as what I wanted. But I think yeah, I wanted him to get his brain smashed in. Um, but I think will obviously lead to a more compelling uh, further story. I'm this. I'm really glad that this is <laughs> this is continuing because I sort of thought because this ties up the first arc i was like ah is that it is Is that the end of southern bastards but obviously it's going to continue and i'm super into that i love the idea that this is just going to continue we get to see more craw country (laughs) ventures because it's just 
I Crow look County. forward to this book. Whatever. Yep. What did they say? Crow Country. Ah. Oh, it's, it's hugely wrong. Huge, hugely wrong. Um, embarrassing. But yeah, this is a brilliant series. Yeah, and and one, another one that I don't want to spoil to people, but like nah. Jason Latour's art on this is just, man, so good. It's so good seeing him let loose with the action too, especially the gore kind of that we yeah. see in this. It's a very unsettling comic in parts, like yeah. in terms of themes and, and, and violence, but it's one of the best in the shelves. It so, really is. Yeah. Like Jason Latour is such a like unique cartoonist. I think he's so brilliant. I'm really glad that they're just kind of letting both the the Jason we are as readers just letting both the Jasons take their time with this one. Please, they, they both had you know not both like had pretty shit last years with mm-hmm. death in their families and and uh, and sickness, but they've also had in- insanely busy schedules with their big two stuff as yeah. well. So take your time with it. Put out this brilliant comic that will be an opus. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to Isola. Cool. Isola. Isola. Yeah. I say Isola, you say Isola, let's call the whole thing off. Uh, number two of this series came out. Good good bit. Good. Now, I'm going to do Shut Up Your Face next time. Uh, <laughs> this is written by Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw with art by Carl Kershaw and... Ms. Sassy K. Mi- oh, is that how it is? I have no idea, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Great. I was going to try and do it as one word. Uh, yeah, so um, this is a, a, a really crazy book about... Um, <sighs> Yeah, this is like a sci-fi fantasy type thing, alternate universe We see a sort of young female warrior who appears to be protecting what we think is her queen who has been turned into a sort of glowing blue tiger. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess this is a great example of a, a kind of, you know, fantasy world that, that lets you know more about the world by showing you this world yeah. through the main character's encounters with that world. Instead yes. of going, you know, like spending long you know, ages just setting up the world. Yes. It, it, it it's telling the story first and foremost, introducing to these characters and, and their and their their trials, um, and then, you know, uh, uh, the people they meet the way along the way. That's the world that you, as as it grows. Mm-hmm. It's really, really great way to do fantasy, I think. Absolutely. And it's so gorgeous. If like Carl Kershaw I love Carl Kershaw. His um like what was that one? Gotham Academy. That's right. Really gorgeous. This is like leveled up. This is him being so creative and it's beautiful. Like it's vaguely European looking, vaguely Japanese inspired. Excellent it looks colors. like a gorgeous cartoon. Um, and the colors are beautiful. It's really like luminous. And so there's this bond between the human characters and the animal characters that you're not sure if the animals used to be humans or mm-hmm. this is just the way the world is. Um, but the, 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 like you know, we, we see animals as both something that needs to be protected and also a threat. Yes, um, I really enjoyed this issue. This is great. Um, I Beautiful. love learning more and more very slowly about the world. Um, yeah, and I, I really like the main character. It's incredibly unique as well. I, like I don't know anything else that is similar to this at the moment, and it's like the sort of mystery element is really engaging and captivating. It's agreed. Beautiful. I this love is it. Great stuff. It's perfect. Uh, we got the second issue of Analog, which is another comic by Jerry Duggan. Uh, came out this week with art by, <clears throat> oh god damn it, it just says the last names. Someone O'Sullivan. I can't remember what his first name is. Um, I assume it's Mike Spicer on colors. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't finish this by accident. Oh, this what is a really, this is a really strong issue. Um, yeah, I like it. I like this book a lot. Um, so this is a book about um. Uh, I, I was going to say like private detective, but it's not actually what he is. He is someone who, in a world without internet, because he was one of the 
kind of agents who who led to all of everyone's internet history being released mm-hmm. onto the world. And so everyone is aware of what everyone does online. So no one, like most of the world, either allows everyone to see everything they do, or mm-hmm. they live completely off the grid and mm-hmm. underground, without internet. Um, but he is someone who basically uh, trades information physically from from group to group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in this one, he's kind of taken hostage by someone who wants to kind of bring all of the world back online again, but on her own terms. Basically, basically, me- messages are, are, are handwritten and, and traded in that way, and she's mm-hmm. printing back photocopiers. Yeah. Um, but I found this book really reminds me of um, kind of the late '90s, early 2000s Vertigo. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. something by a Warren Ellis, or especially a Garth Ennis. In fact, there is a character, um, his girlfriend character, feels very Garth Ennisian. Uh, yeah, like Garth Ennis, but I like it. You would like a lot of Garth Ennis's stuff. His Hellblazer run, you would love. Mm. You would. Mm. You would. I'll put money on it. You would love it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is really enjoyable. Again, we're learning more and more about the world and uh, the connection to the main character who gets the shit beaten out of him by, like, ten different people throughout this issue. He also spray paints um, a Nazi's eyes, which is pretty great. Yeah, that was good fun. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is a great. Really great series. Yeah. Um, highly recommend it. And there's a new... Uh, speaking of uh, Garth Ennis, actually, this book felt very Garth Ennisian and... and uh, uh, the the next book that Jerry Duggan is writing for Image um, has art by John McRae, who is uh, um, Garth Ennis's uh, often co-collaborator. He was the artist on Hitman. Oh, okay. And various oh, other series. Cool. Yeah. You know, I always forget the Hitman was by Garth Ennis. I'm telling you. I don't hate Hitman. There's a, there's a, there's a Garth Ennis fan within you. Mm. You don't have to like all of his stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> also, you don't like that term? <laughs> no. No. It's just, You're I'm, like, where I'm is always, he? Get him out. I'm always, try- <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out why I don't like things. And sometimes it's just, I just don't like Garth Ennis's vibe. But mm. maybe the, if you wrote down on a piece of paper all the things that Garth Ennis does, like all the sort of dirty jokes and blah, 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 that should totally appeal to me. It just doesn't. I don't know what's going on. That's fine. Uh, issue three, World, right now. It's a new segment. We've got two, three, two, three issues. Uh, one of them is uh, Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felici, uh, in which we very slowly learn more and more about this world. Um, but this is like... It's a very depressing version. But yeah, also it's like uh, tedious. Um, mm. <laughs> Kirkman has a great, like I think with, with Walking Dead, I guess, I, and, and Invincible, I read both of them in trade form. Right. So all of these issues where not that much happens. Yeah. Um, in, to begin with, all the setup stuff didn't feel as tedious. Whereas yeah. like when he did Outcast, it really, really felt dragged out and slow. And I, not as bad in this in this book, which is about, um, uh, uh, almost like a rapture-esque kind of event mm-hmm. in which a lot of people from our Earth are kind of transported to a world of monsters and now like a decade or so past that point, um, someone who lost his brother is kind of doing these routine trips back to this world trying to rescue people and bring them back to our Earth. But some of them don't want to be rescued and there's mystery afoot, Siobhan. Goodness. I really, really like the art on this Yeah, one. me too. The art's fantastic and the art and also the uh, onomatopoeia uh-huh, of uh-huh. the of the the sound effects yep. built worked into the art is really great, but uh, like story point of view, it's good, it's fine, it's just it's just it's chugging along and yeah yeah, I, yeah. I want... it's a lot of like uh, like relationshipy drama stuff right now. But only glimpses of it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's great at doing glimpses of things, but I don't think it works when you're setting up a world and a story to begin with. Yeah, I would like a more more meat to this story. Absolutely, faster. I'll still read it. Yeah, still good. 
Still Far from bad. Absolutely. Prism, Prism Stalker, ah, issue number three. Okay, I'm really sad because I did not grab a copy of this. Oh, what? Yes, sold out. Well, okay, Which cool. is great. You, you can have this immediately after me. Great, thank you. Uh, this is written, great. written and drawn by Sloane Leong. I love Sloane Leong. Uh, whose art style is so unique and her writing style of this is it's just so weird. We basically see someone who's been abducted from her home planet and kind of... Uh, taken to this this race of aliens who are training her to be a warrior, I mm-hmm. guess is the simplest way to tell his story. Um, but there's so much trippy, crazy space shit in this. Um, and, and, and it's basically, this, this is like a, a, almost like a day at her like kind of training. Cool. In which she gets the shit beat out of her by, training montage issue. by a big purple wolf um, who is basically like, you know, like scaring the shit out of these uh, people so that, they, that their powers and things can, can manifest. Cool. Uh, it's really, really different and interesting. Um, yes, and there's an, there's an amazing preview for yeah, it, a new comic amazing. by Joe Keating and Wook, Wook Jim oh! Clark. I have read the first issue of that, and it's fucking incredible. It's called Flavor. It's coming out really highly soon. recommend. It looks awesome. It looks like it's like a cooking. Yeah, I, I mean, I love food based comics, but this one is like a fantasy food. Book. Yeah, it's really good. I got to read a retailer preview of the first issue. Looks really good. I but recommend. Yeah, we'll talk about that when it comes yeah, out. Sorry. Uh But yeah, in the meantime, Prison Stalker. It's such a wild and weird. Um, book, but uh, it, the kind of main drama has obviously kind of came come through in this issue, and that is that our main character is trying to prove herself as a warrior, mm-hmm. or else she loses her life. I guess. Yep. That's how it goes on, when you're stalking prisons. Absolutely. Uh, Port of Earth issue number five by Zach Kaplan, on Andrea Muti, and uh, Vladimir Popov um, came out this week. This is the uh, pretty awesome Top Cow book about um, a world in which um, our Earth has been used as a port for aliens to kind of fuel up. Um, and with that comes a, a series of problems when aliens like, leave the port and fuck up humans. Um, we see a lot of this book um, for the point of view of uh, a crew of agents who have been assigned to kind of monitor alien activity but without interfering with the aliens. So they're not really protecting humans. They're kind of protecting the aliens yep. from humans. But that's really difficult when the aliens are trying to murder humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's quite a convoluted uh, uh, process of, um, you know, of tasks that our characters have to do. The the world that this is in is far more interesting than the actual story that's being told here mm-hmm. as we learn more about the reasons that the you know, that the big companies agreed to allow the aliens to to build their port here to get access to alien technology that only very few companies are able to use. Mm-hmm. But the story uh, featuring like these agents hot on the heels of an escaped alien is actually getting quite captivating and good now. So yeah, it's cool. good. 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 <laughs> that's our image. Review. It's mm-hmm. my annual cough returns to, to the yeah. podcast for like a special appearance. Is it annual or is it biannual? I don't know. Um, we've got some DC b- reviews for you. And uh, the first of those is going to be the oh. finale of Batman White Knight. Did you read oh. that? Yeah, I did. <coughs> I've re- been very confused over the last two weeks and I got confused as to what was this week and what was last week. But yes, I did read that. Um, did, I, I gave you like six books that you forgot to read yeah, the last week, so you yeah. may have got them confused. I get confused. Anyway, I like this. <laughs> so this is uh, written by Sean Murphy with um, and, and, um, and art by Sean Murphy too, with colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been up and down about uh, this series, which is kind of like showing that like the Joker got, takes a bunch of drugs and he's sane now. And as a sane man, he decides to show Gotham that the real criminal is Batman. But then um, in doing that, he uh, unleashes the most evil version of Harley Quinn ever. And it's up to Batman and Joker, an unlikely team up that you'll never, ever see happen in any other comic book. Never, um, ever. They've got a team up to, uh, to turn Taker down. I thought they definitely stuck the landing on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I've kind of, 
I do finish this series wondering what Sean Murphy was trying to say. I think the story... Batman's cool. No. (laughs) Basically, in in the finale of this, Batman kind of is like, I'm as bad as the criminals that I beat up because I love beating up criminals. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, like... That's a fun point, though. Is it? I don't know. For me, it was like he took more inspiration from, like, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games than actual Batman comics themselves, which is fine. But um, that's not the version of Batman depicted in here. Didn't really feel like a version of Batman that I've read in comics before. Hmm. It was a version that I liked, though. I thought it was a, like I found it to be a more interesting look at Batman as a man than like you know Tom King's current run or Scott Snyder's couple runs. And um, I thought this was like good fun and beautifully illustrated. And yeah, no, I, I, a real tone to it, which I think is missing from a lot of Batman comics. Looked incredible the whole way through as yeah. well. And I think we'll read very well in one hit. I'm mm-hmm. at, at some point in my life, I may even read it all in one hit. Hmm. Probably not, though. Um, but uh, there, was some, there, was, there was a lot of unsubtlety throughout, oh, this, yeah. throughout this, uh, this series. And um, the, for the most part, this, this, this ending was pretty satisfying to me without resorting to him just like, you know, Sean Murphy suddenly being one of the characters and telling me what, <laughs> what, what, why, why the what story the was. was. Exactly. Like when... <laughs> <laughs> the classic Tom King thing of a radio piped over the dialogue says explicitly what the theme of the thing is five times in a row <laughs> beats you over the head with five it. issues in a row. Yeah, um, I thought this was more subtle. Than and that. there's no way we won't get a sequel to this because I, I it hope ends so. on somewhat of a cliffhanger. I like it. I like this alternate universe that Sean Murphy's created. It's good. I'm Good sure. It, I'm sure it sold extremely well. So, and and it will do in trade too. So, everything Batman sells great, especially if it's like a contained thing. Absolutely, it's very nice as a retailer <laughs> to be able to recommend something like Thanks, that. Thanks, Sean Murphy. Thanks, Sean Murphy. I missed a whole bunch of stuff. This Let's week. keep things Batman. I didn't read it. Oh right, Detective Comics. I'm kind of glad though. 980. Well, I don't know if you're going to say that because okay. in this uh, in the current uh, story, which has gone on for way too long, um, way too long. This kid, what's his name? Ulysses. Ulysses. Um, he has uh, gained access to all of this future tech from this future version of Tim Drake's world who came to stop uh, Batwoman from, from turning into an evil person that she does in his future. We now learn that this evil Tim Drake came from the old continuity, the yeah. pre-New 52 continuity. Yeah. And Ulysses, in order to try and break Cassandra and Stephanie Brown, um, shows them that in this world they were Batgirl. Oh, okay. To like kind of go like, huh, oh, look how pathetic you are in this world. Which, good point. Like, make them Batgirls instead of yeah. just being spoiler and orphan. Fucking orphan. Orphan. Worst name. Worst name ever, guys. Um, Do better. Definitely. Uh, but uh, instead of um, them being bummed out, Stephanie Brown is like, are you telling cool. me Are you telling me that I could, I, could, I could be Robin? I could be Batgirl? You don't understand how, like, how much inspiration that's given me and now it looks like she's very motivated. It's her going to be k- kicking ass. But this is weird because it's referencing old continuity again. How do they how do they explain away the continuity thing? They go like, "Oh, a flashpoint happened and you weren't Batgirl anymore." Not yet. It's just like this is from the timeline and it just okay. shows images of of them. Um made me long for both of those runs because they were both good runs. Um but uh also apparently in Flash this week, um uh Wally West like could see the Flash Museum, but but Barry couldn't, and so like they are, they keep referencing like the the previous continuity for no reason. Mm, interesting. Like what, there's got to be a something's going to happen. Got to be some kind of 
ongoing plan where they get rid of when the they, current... When they finish oh, Doomsday man. Clock in a decade. I just would like for them to stick with one continuity. Yeah. Anyway. Stick with something. Um, I miss this. I'm sad. Uh, the new Superman and the Justice League of China, issue number 23, which is the second last issue of this run. Oh. There's only one more to go. And then what? That's it? Yeah. Gene uh, Luen Yang written this, wrote this one with art by um, Brent Peoples um, and good Matt name. Santarelli. Colors by Hi-Fi. Uh, and this was largely about the kind of the Aquaman figure they've introduced in this. Who is, Aquaman uh, of North Korea. That's right. Um, who can, he's like a kind of monster who can summon the seas. Um, and uh, his character arc was pretty interesting. But then there's a, there's a lot going on in this. And I was like, you know what, mate? This is, this is actually nearing the end of as much of this story as I want to read, I think. Right. So I, I, I'm, it's a bummer that he couldn't continue writing this forever because it is great having this, you know, Chinese Absolutely. adjacent DC universe. But I think, uh, I don't know, the, like the, the, the alpaca, which is like the, the Chinese Batman's sister who became the kind of Joker, Joker figure, yeah. team it's up in great. this. And then there's um, Superman, new Superman kind of becomes uh, like super powerful and evil in a way mm-hmm. for a little bit momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then becomes like a black and white version of himself at the end. It's, it's cool. It's lots of cool ideas. I just, um, I think this, this would really benefit from a co-writer. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, I sort of hope that these characters stick around and we get to see them show up in other DC books. I'm sure Keenan Occasionally, Conwell. in a very, like, um, the Great Ten sort of way. Yeah, sure. Um, I hope, but hopefully we even get, like, an ongoing book featuring, you know, these uh, this Asian adjacent. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. You have, he's, he's introduced and, and created characters from all over Asia now. Yeah. part of this new, new Justice League of China. It's pretty cool. And it's a really cool thing to, like, <laughs> for mainstream superhero comic creators to be reminded that there is a world outside of North America. Mm, definitely. And that you can create characters from all around the world. But I do think, it in a culturally sensitive way. I think he's been... Like, everyone's betraying everyone and Kin and Kong is still really unstable. Right. And, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. just so many plot threads that I think this this would have benefited from right. going the simpler route. Okay. That, you know, I always... The, the Spider-Man route. You yeah. know, like a, a young superhero. Keep it small. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's still really good. Um, you read another decent book that I did not? Look, I picked up issue two of The Immortal Men, which I would less like to point out, Jim Lee is already, Jim Lee didn't even do the second issue. So he just did the first issue of this? He just did the first issue. That's so funny. Um, and yet, it's... and yet his fillings probably get higher billing than James Tinney in the fourth who wrote it? Um, I can't, I can't even think of who did the art on this issue. Someone, Yeah, Benjamin. someone Benjamin. Right. Um, so here we go, Ryan Benjamin. Ryan Benjamin. Anyway, I read. I tried to get through the first two pages, and I was like, "Oh, cool! This is unreadable." Great. See you later. Well done. Thanks. Um, we got a new Wildstorm book this week in um, uh, Brian Hill, Warren Ellis, and Stephen Harris, Dexter Vines, and someone Campbell's uh, Michael Cray, um, which is this great book, um, largely written by Brian Hill, who we know is taking over Detective Comics very soon, which is very oh, exciting. Oh, that's good news. Um, colors by Ross Campbell. There you go. Um, uh, but this is basically Michael Cray from Wildstorm. Uh, whose you know powers are mysterious and slowly manifesting and not really always for the best. It's um, like some kind of demon Kirby crackle in his head. I love it. And he's kind of like this killer of would-be killers, and these would-be killers, or actually mm. killers, that he's tracking down and 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 and, and killing are all um, different versions of DC characters in this universe. So so far, he's taken out Aquaman and uh, uh, the Flash. Someone else, but this time is this is an issue with uh, a different version of Hellblazer, yep. who is almost Lex Luthor in, yeah. his, in his uh, 
at least but in great the best version of Constantine that you've seen in, in a, while. Yeah. a DC book yeah this is really really fun ever. maybe um and the dark magic that Constantine is kind of like working with in this actually summons a new version of Wonder Woman at the end of this yes. issue too. So really, really cool. Um, Michael Cray, maybe in over his head, but I reckon he's just going to kill them all. Let's hope so. Good fun. I like it. I like the the potential of an evil Wonder Woman is good fun. Yeah. And we're past the halfway point of this mini series. It's 12 issues long and we're, issue, we're seven issues in mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just gets better and better. Sure does. It's really, really good. Our final DC book I read this week was the third issue of the young animal book Eternity Girl, written by Magdalene Visaggio, Sonny Liu, and Chris Chakri. Is this uh, just going to be six issues? Six issues. In fact, it was Great. announced in the last week that Young Animal will be over in three issues' time. Disappointing. So we're going only getting six issues of Shade and Mother Panic <sighs> and, uh, and, and what's his name? Cave Carson? Yeah. Boo. boo, real, boo it's boo. a real bummer. Um, I'm but bummed out. It's bummer, but also, you know, it introduced us to a lot of great writers and great artists that I feel like, you know, we would have probably been introduced to them on other books yeah. that didn't. But I think it got a lot of DC readers reading some pretty weird shit. For sure. And I hope that um, those creators get an opportunity to do more at DC or at Image or anywhere else. Eternity Girl is a strange, suicidal, apocalyptic book mm-hmm. um, about a, uh, a girl who has... Um, a woman, sorry, who has uh, these uh, powers that she can she can't she can't stay in human form for long without being in pain, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she can't kill herself, which she's mm-hmm. tried to do many many times. Mm-hmm. But she's figured out that a great way the, the one way that she can kill herself is if she also kills Everyone. existence, because she could be a massive bomb. Yeah, this book is complicated in that I'm never sure what. I'm actually reading in that there have always have two things happening concurrently yep. and I'm not sure if they are actually happening at the same time. She's having living outside of her body as well as inside mm-hmm. or is, uh, are these, are we seeing two things at two different timelines? Yeah. And is what she's seeing real or is she really lost it or, yeah. um, I find this, really compelling and really interesting and it's another example of trying to sort of tackle a big serious topic and using the genre of superheroes to explore suicide and you know some pretty heavy themes but in a really clever interesting gorgeously illustrated way yeah i'm into it this is a, this is a really really cool and different series but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, i hope we get a bit more closure as the book uh, continues and yeah. I, I hope it doesn't do the gerard way thing where it's just like it's weird deal with it no it's finished yeah. bye <laughs> It's weird and delayed and over. <laughs> the end. Just like life. The end with yeah. a question mark. That's how he does it. Absolutely. Those are our DC, Marvel and Image reviews. And now we move on to other publishers. I only read one other publisher. You didn't read The Highest House issue number four? Oh, I did, I did, I did, oh, I did. Thank I did God, read you. It. I, I did to, read it. I was about, Good to, about to flip my lid. I'm so sorry. You can't deal with Eleven's lid flip. Not on a Monday. Uh, the Highest House is... One of my favorite series happening right now. It's written by Mike Carey and art by Peter Gross. These guys. I love that you enjoy this book because it is not one that I would be like, yeah, this seems like Eleven's book. I don't know what it is about. I thought, you know what it is? It's the character writing. The character yeah. is, it's a character book. It is a high fantasy book. Normally that's uh, extremely not for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but this uh, looks great and the character writing is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it follows a young boy who uh, is basically sold. His family sells him to become a slave um, at the highest house, which is the... Uh, I guess like the royalty house that looks looks over the entire town. Mm-hmm. 
And um, once he gets there, he comes face to, well face to bro- with face to rock with a a, a, a a strange magic being called who, Obsidian who inhabits a big stone underneath mm-hmm, the highest mm-hmm. house. Probably a bad guy. Um, and he slowly works his way up the kind of the the slave ladder mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. by uh, saving the, the the king's daughter mm-hmm. m- many times. But we learn. Lots of different things about um, the backstories of uh, of the king's daughter in this mm-hmm. issue. Um, uh, she likes uh, girls. Girls, yeah, and 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 he's like, you know, this is set many many years ago, medieval esque, medieval esque times. So this, this horrifies our young hero, um, but he quickly gets over it, <laughs> as everyone should. Absolutely. Um, but uh, there's just so much going on, and this is big. If you like, you know your epic betray, like you know medieval betrayals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, this is a pretty incredible, fun, action-filled issue. Absolutely, um, and, and it's moving along at such a such a good pace. Totally, as yeah, what he, happens in each issue, and you know that as he as he rises higher and higher in the higher highest house, mm-hmm. more people are going to be aware that he's like you know doing these deals with this, mm-hmm. and he's also not the only. Person in the highest house who has communication with this weird obsidian yeah. figure. I thought it was really interesting that the other guy, who's like the second who's in command, his master, yeah, yeah. was like knew that he was talking to obsidian and seemed okay with it. I thought that was really interesting. It's really really great. This is a a must read. I think absolutely. It's super it's great. Best thing Mike Carey has done in a really long time. Yeah, and the uh, the covers by uh, is it Japanese artists? Yuku no. European artist Fabian Alquia. No, that's a colorist. Oops. Yuku Shimizu is a Japanese artist. Who's the covers. They're so good. They're so gorgeous. The next next month's one is just off the hook good. <clears throat> so yeah, that's the highest house. Uh, highly recommended to all listeners. Um, it's really really great. Even so if good. you are like me and don't always care for fantasy, this is my kind of fantasy. Good fantasy. Good fantasy. <laughs> great. Um, so I want to just be really sad for a moment. Uh, we got. We got uh, a, a small supply of um, mm-hmm. Ghost Money issue nine um, last month, and uh, then Ghost Money issue ten came out in the regular supply. Annoying, uh, uh, but without the nine coming here first, so yeah. I, I, I can't fit tell you how good the finale of this brilliant series has been uh, by Terry Smolderin and Dominic Bertale through Lion Forge. But I definitely will when the issue nine comes, or maybe the trade will beat beat it here. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be picking that up in trade. It's a, a very, very cool series that I will definitely talk about more in the future. Um, let's talk about <coughs> Black Crown. Yes, please. Punk's Not Dead, issue number four. <coughs> Came out through Black Crown this week. Written by um, Simon Barnett. Uh, with, sorry, David Barnett. My bad. Um, I don't know why you, you this writer feels like a Simon to me. Mm. But he does. David Barnett wrote this one with um, art by Martin Simmons, and um, uh, it's just fucking awesome. This it's is really uh, good. this again. We, we we always bring it up, and I feel like we bring him up a lot. Uh, Hellblazer is a very important run yes. to me. Uh, Constantine is a very important character. Very important to me. in terms of comics. Yeah, and uh, this is very nineties Vertigo uh, Constantine vibes. Yeah, a character that that is always hardly done by in comics these days, and mm-hmm. so uh, for me, it was just like this unashamedly British thing that yes. exists that was being published by someone American and just allowing itself to just be so fucking British and it's it always just tickles me when I get that from another comic now Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm getting these vibes from this book of, I've said it in the past before and I'll probably always say it when I talk about it because I just think it is such a great feeling to have while you're reading a comic For sure. um, especially when you read uh, an old lady cigarette in hand uh, telling a cop 
knob off wooden top. Where yep. the feds? That was the best thing I read in a comic this week. Absolutely. So this I love is a, it. about um, a, a, a schoolboy um, who starts seeing the ghost of a punk named Skid, Sid, um, who is you know very very similar to Sid Vicious, mm-hmm. um, and weird shit starts happening to him at school uh, and and in his town. Uh, meanwhile, someone from like a uh, like a federal um, organization of mm-hmm. uh, like they they look into like mysterious yeah uh, occult occult acts which is led by one of the greatest characters that uh yeah it's a little old mod lady yeah who, with a beehive what's her name it's so funny dorothy culpepper is her name perfect um and uh she is uh this entire issue is uh narrated by a letter being written by someone a man uh asif beg who is uh, basically been assigned to work with her on this, you know, whatever the fuck this weird mission that he's on is. Um, And uh, he is equal parts, like, scared and impressed by her. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I loved his dialogue describing her actions as she's doing the exact things that he's Mm -hmm. describing. Uh, And then we have great, great moments between Sid and, um, and, and, and the main character who, I don't know the name of, whatever it is. Fergie. It's Fergie, that's right. How can I forget Fergie? (coughs) <coughs> this also has a scene set in the Black Crown pub itself. Mm-hmm. Black Crown Publisher has, has manifested itself as a pub. It's good um, fun. Which we get quarterly uh, little comics from, um, but it's cool to have it appear uh, as a setting in this issue. Feels really. I, I thought it was a really, really neat little Easter egg. Absolutely. And this is also like, if you like things like, if you liked um, Phonogram, the sort of first oh, yeah, yeah. Jamie McKelvey, um, Kieran Gillen... Music is Magic book. Yeah. Um, this will appeal to you because it references lots of sort of British-specific pop culture music. So, like, they talk lots about Northern Soul and various um, British, you know, the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. It's good fun. Yeah, it's really good. And also, like, the punk part of it. I know normally, like, you know, we were talking about Sean Murphy earlier. Mm-hmm. He did a comic called Punk Rock Jesus, Jesus mm-hmm. which isn't wasn't really that punk rock. This one feels like... Proper, yeah. proper punk rock. Absolutely. And I like that we're finding more and more out about this sort of Sid character. That's a fucking great cover. Who is that? Um, I love that. Diraj Man. Uh, Dilraj Man. I love Dilraj Man. That's a great cover. Real good. Um, so the final comics to talk about um, from IDW this week, we've got issue four, the finale of The Spider King, written by Josh Van, illustrations by Simone Diamini, and colors by Adrian Block. Uh, this is a book about um, like Vikings and aliens and mm-hmm. weird future tech that they come um, like they they become the owners of mm-hmm. uh, in order to take down this gross spider alien who uh, takes over a ton of um, like Vikings. Uh, it was a really really fun grotesque. If you like Head Lopper, uh, the art is uh, is quite similar to that, um, a bit more gruesome um, and uh, with like crazy space tech as well hell yeah um and this uh this ends in a satisfying way enough that if they didn't do a sequel you'd be fine but it also ends on the spider king will return so uh, oh I, that's I, cool i would read stacks more of this series this is really really fun the characters are are fun and driven and it's good to see all these very different character types um, interact um and the setting is really cool had a great incentive cover by uh, david rubin hell yeah which God, is really really cool uh yeah great week for a uh, cover bees mm. Um, finally, I tried to get through uh, the second issue of The Season of the Snake, which was a um, European comic that Titan Comics put out through their Statics Press imprint. Um, the first issue 
I read last month. You didn't make your way through it, but I loved it. It's just very heavy. It's, it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, it's written by Serge Lehmann and uh, art by Jean-Marie Michaud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like this extremely hard sci-fi, also high fantasy. Both mm-hmm. of those things jammed together with stacks of lore and world building and weird races of aliens and weird religious customs. And uh, If you have one hour to spend reading a single issue, then definitely you should pick this up. I was ready to deca- dedicate another hour to reading the second issue but it was all these new things oh and referencing things i just was like wait did this is this referencing the first issue i can't Mm -hmm. remember Mm -hmm. and it was too much there was too much in that first issue for me to remember so i think at some point bye wayne at some point (laughs) uh um at some point i'm going to uh if this comes out in trade i will i will try and read the whole thing in one sitting but i just don't think it lends itself to monthly reading i also would hope that if um when this does come out in trade, they do it in an oversized format because yes. it's quite um, it's incredibly detailed. And there's a lot of text. It's quite hard to read no, in that format. I'm skimming my, through. Skimming through my these old pages. people eyes. Skimming through these pages to find you some of the incredible art that you see here. Woo! Real good stuff. Um, so the season of the snake, I really recommend it, even though I could Sorry, not get it. <laughs> George just looked at me really strangely. <laughs> it was a two-page spread of doing it. Doing it. That's why I cheered. As we all know, Siobhan calls it that. <laughs> I'm an adult. Um, so that's the end of this episode. Um, nice. thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you, uh, want to support us on Patreon, you can mm-hmm. find us at patreon.com slash serious issues podcast. And mm-hmm. we appreciate even the thought, but we appreciate the money even more. Absolutely. Let's and guys, honest. oh, sorry. Money is better than the thoughts. Is that what you were going to say? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, this Friday, if you like fence and you are located in Sydney, Australia, the comic fence, the comic fence, not just like, like Siobhan not fences. doesn't understand the, the plural of fences is, is fences. <laughs> No, it's fence, like sheep. Um, the writer, C.S. Picat, who is a Melbourne-based lady woman, will be coming to King's Comics at 6pm. We're going to do a one-hour sort of chat about comics and stuff. I need to write some questions. And then the second hour is going to be a signing. I, If you're local, come on down. It should be good fun. Tell you what, if you sign up to our Patreon, you can uh, message us a uh, question for Siobhan oh, to yeah, ask C.S. Cool. Picat. Please That's do. Nice Are we going to try and record it as well? Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about that. Okay. That'll be cool if you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if you want to find us online, we are facebook.com slash groups slash series podcast. Also, mm-hmm. if you want to donate to the charity that we were talking about earlier, Care Australia, planetbroadcasting.com is where you can find all the information for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at LevDog on social media. Um, Siobhan is Siobhan CBG. Come and say hello. I love hearing from everybody on there. Same. I love getting, I get, I get, I get DMs from listeners on Instagram now. Hey, that's, same. That's fun. That's fun. Um, so thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for a whole bunch of uh, of uh, more comic books. She wants yep. to go through the list of next week's releases now. I'm seeing if there's anything I'm excited about. Next issue of Gideon Falls. Yes. I forget what that was. What was that one? That's the um, new Jeff Lemire spooky. Oh, yeah, that one's good. Death Barn, Black Barn, Thing, issue three of Infidel. Good week for spooky comics. Next issue of Barrier. That's good. The second trade of Black Magic. You guys should all be picking that up. I'm just looking at the image. Oh, releases. shit. Ether is back. Oh, cool. The, uh, Matt Kitten and uh, David Rubin. Ether comes Cave back. Woman. Cave Woman. I don't know where that is, but sure. No. <laughs> Cave Woman's like a really awful, pervy comic. No one should read it. Can't wait to read it. See you next week. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.